Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Our guest today was trained as an architect and spent many years in digital product strategy and design before founding his technology consulting firm in 2003. He was an Inc. 5000 honoree five years in a row and ranked 241st in 2009. In 2014, he founded Eckfeld and Associates to work with founders and CEOs and leadership teams of early stage and mid-market companies to accelerate growth. He is a speaker, author, and certified Gazelle's Scaling Up Business Coach and has been a member of the Entrepreneurs Organization since 2007, where he has served in several board and regional leadership roles. He is also the founder and host of two business podcasts, Scaling Up Services and Thinking Outside the Bud. And so without further ado, Bruce Eckfeld, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you taking time to... uh, to jump on the show and talk with us yeah. today because you clearly are a very busy man. <laughs> yeah, and actually I have to add one more podcast. We're launching a new one uh, in uh, probably about three or four weeks here called Tripping Outside the Box. So we're going to be covering psychedelics, uh, kind of a whole kind of another area. It's kind of a bit of an offshoot of cannabis, but um, yeah, it, fascinating space. And uh, I'm obviously a big podcasting fan, so I figured I'd make a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I, I think I think it's going to hit right in the sweet spot, especially for 2022. Yeah. I think a lot of folks are, uh, are interested to see where the psychedelic space goes. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating area. Uh, so Bruce, if you could just take us back kind of to the early days and, you know, for those who maybe aren't familiar with your work, um, you know, what was your journey into the cannabis space and how did you get started and how did all of that kind of unfold to, to bring you to where you are today? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so early, so I was, um, uh, honestly, not that familiar or experienced with cannabis uh, up until six, seven years ago. So I, um, I, I was a highly competitive athlete and I grew up in the Midwest and just didn't have a whole lot of exposure. Um, you know, not that I was against it or anything. It just it wasn't really part of my uh, certainly high school experience. College, you know, a little bit. I went to McGill in Montreal. Uh, Montreal is a pretty uh, uh, liberal um, kind of place. You know, certainly a lot of um, uh, sort of availability, but again, just, just wasn't part of my day to day. So, which, which is fine. I had, again, I had no, um, particular feelings about it. I just, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of familiarity. And so, uh, what happened for me is, uh, it was kind of a confluence of business and personal, um, uh, events that led up to it. Uh, on the business side, uh, I had, uh, sold my consulting company about, it's been about eight years ago now, say eight, nine years ago. Um, and I started, uh, I got in, invited in or got asked to come into a couple of companies as interim CEO or COO to kind of do some turnarounds and, and work with them on some growth plans and things. So uh, I started doing this kind of coming in and helping companies with a strategy and building out leadership teams. And that, that kind of got me into coaching. Uh, and then I um, really through my kind of EO connections, my entrepreneurs organization and entrepreneurial friends and stuff like that, ended up working with a couple of folks that were doing uh, cannabis businesses. Um, and so that kind of Got me into the the business side of cannabis, and what I realized is uh, it is uh, I I tend to do well with strategy and talent development in high growth, a little bit sort of cutting edge industries. So I did a lot of work in agile, which was you know in the early days of agile, it was pretty out there, um, and then just other industries where it's a little it's a little edgy. It's we haven't quite figured it out. We have to kind of bring it to the major market and um, and cannabis fit that perfectly, right? So I found myself just a little bit of fish and water in terms of working with leaders who were growing businesses and really dynamic, uh, somewhat complicated um, uh, early stage kind of industries. Um, so I found a, a kind of a natural fit and a natural home there. 
parallel, uh, personally, uh, ended up with this, uh, essentially broke my back. I, I had a, uh, L4, uh, L5 S1, uh, double fusion because my L5 fractured. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, 12 hour surgery coming out of that, they gave me this huge bottle of Percocet and, uh, a friend of mine is you should try pot. <laughs> so I really just started trying it as, you know, post-recovery and, um, found it was really great for pain management. I, I don't do well on opioids. I don't, I don't like them. Uh, I don't like the feeling. Um, uh, and so I was really looking for something different. So someone turned me on and started getting into edibles and, you know, just found that it was helping with recovery. It was helping with, um, uh, inflammation. And then, uh, I was sleeping amazing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just started incorporating into kind of my day to day. And, uh, so this confluence of, uh, personal use and, uh, you know, getting involved in the business community, um, just was kind of a, uh, you know, it was telling me, or it was an opportunity to really kind of double down or, or focus on cannabis as, uh, an area of focus for me professionally. Um, and so that's honestly, it's why we started the podcast. Uh, this was, four years ago now, uh, we decided that, Hey, you know, uh, creating some great content, building out a network, um, thought leadership in the space, uh, was going to help me in terms of really kind of understanding, like how does, how does the business of cannabis work, the industry of cannabis, uh, and, um, you know, have had a chance to work with some really amazing folks have had, you know, an opportunity to interview. I think we've done 300 and some odd episodes now and on the podcast. So, um, fascinating stuff, you know, big players, small players, really kind of, uh, core, uh, folks in cannabis, people that are, you know, ancillary products and services, regulators, social justice, social equity, folks, uh, policymakers, doctors, psychiatrists, like we've kind of covered the gamut and, um, you know, it's, it's a great industry and it's a really important industry and it ties to so many different things in the world that it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. Right. And it's been really satisfying for me. That's awesome. And I, I love how, um, I love how you attributed a lot of networking relationship building and thought leadership and just so much value from podcasting because it's such a great way to develop your network mm -hmm. and to just kind of understand, you know, who's who in the industry, who does what, what kind of roles they play. Um, and to also just kind of get like a more, you know, um, just like firsthand look yeah. into what things are like, because like myself, like, I don't know what a cultivation facility, like, I don't know how to run a cultivation facility. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of that. Right. Uh -huh. So like, yeah, you could go and read a book about, it, or you could, you know, go do something to, to try to familiarize yourself with it. But I mean, you know, somebody like yourself, when you get to bring somebody on who's a, who's a master grower or has, you know, yeah. firsthand experience on a day-to-day -day basis, it just gives you an entirely new level of insight into a really important piece of the industry that, you know, we probably wouldn't have access to without Absolutely. podcasting. So Absolutely. can you kind of just touch on, on that real quick, like the value of podcasting and how that sort of yeah. helped you accelerate the growth of your network and, and all of that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, kind of, where do I start? Um, yeah. So I think the first thing is podcasting and, and it's somewhat based depends on who you are and kind of, uh, kind of natural strengths and stuff. But for me, you know, podcasting was a super simple way to create some really exceptional content, right? Like I'm pretty good at interviewing, pretty good at asking questions. I'm pretty curious. Uh, I'm pretty good at kind of reading folks and kind of understanding like, okay, where do we, where do they want to go with this? And so, you know, in an hour conversation or, you know, we, we book an hour, it's a half hour program for me, but, you know, in a 30 minute conversation, um, it's, 
you, you can get some really unique and interesting content and perspective in a very personal way, right? Like actually, you know, having a conversation with somebody around this stuff, it just ends up feeling very intimate. And so the, the first thing I found is that you can, in a fairly short amount of time, create good content, but really create a connection. And that, is, that allows you then to not only that serves as, as kind of proof for other folks to be able to then get them onto the program. Um, right. But, but you get this kind of network effect of, you know, that person knows you and that person knows you. Now they connect you to the third person and those three now connect so much. So now like when I go to, you know, a conference or something like that, right. It's like, you know, it's like a 50, 50 chance that someone has heard of the podcast, right. Which, you know, it, it, it took three years, but you know, that's not yeah. 30 years. Right. And, and going from, you know, you know, knowing a little bit about it and having some pretty good professional contacts to, you know, having the ability to pretty much call up anyone in the cannabis industry and be able to do an interview. That's, that, that's, that's a huge, you know, asset and a huge, uh, uh, that, that didn't take that long to, to create. Yeah. And you, you really can't put a price on that. I mean, that's, that's just, it's invaluable. And again, like you said, I mean, you're, you're compressing time from what might take somebody, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, and you're just compressing that with the consistent creation of that content. Um, so yeah, no, I, I just find that so fascinating about yeah. podcasting. Um, but Bruce, you contribute to Inc yeah. on a fairly regular basis. Um, and you share an abundance of information, especially in relation to how executives can improve their efficiency and efficacy yeah. as they grow out their teams. And so I would love to, to know from your perspective, what's something, maybe even an, an example of a common denominator among organizations that sometimes hold themselves back mm -hmm. from scaling successfully? Yeah. Um, well, so I have a general kind of philosophy or, or principle that uh, if you're going to scale a company, you have to scale leadership. Uh, mm -hmm. Meaning that, like, you know, if, if you're not increasing the capacity, the level of thinking, the uh, the, the, how the leadership team is even thinking about the business. Like if you're not scaling that, if you're not evolving that and taking that to the next level, you'll never be able to grow the company. Right. So it doesn't matter how many sales you have, how much leads you generate. Like you're just never going to be able to get the company to the next level. If the leadership team is not evolving to the next level as well. So like I, I'll do an exercise with the, um, you know, with leadership teams when I'm working with them and we're talking about, you know, okay, we're going to, you know, go from 10 million to hundred million over the next couple of years. Like, well, what, what does that look like? What do we need to do? And, and I tell people, everyone here at the table needs to have at least three people who could take their job in the next 30 days. It could take over the, the role that they're doing the next 30 days, because if you don't have someone to take over your role, that means you're going to have to stay in it and we're going to have to hire somebody over you. And, and if they're not figuring out how to not only evolve themselves, but replace themselves during that process, they will get stuck. They will hold themselves back. Now, as the company goes, we can hire people above them. We continue to grow. <laughs> but, but if we're not really focusing on leveling up all those people, um, A, they're going to get stuck. They're not going to grow with the company. But B, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very expensive and very complicated for the company then to scale, right? Because we, we have to bring in new people to take out over the, these roles for the next level. Much easier, much more effective, much more cost-effective to, to level up the current team I have to take them from knowing how to run and manage a $10 million company to knowing how to run and manage a $50 million company, right? I'd rather do that, you know, over the course of a year than 
have to like hire a whole new suite of executives to be able to then run the company at 50, 50 million. So, so that whole kind of scaling process really becomes a function of how well the individuals can scale themselves. So that's why a lot of the stuff that I sort of end up focusing on in terms of the content I push out, you know, through Inc. is really that is really written to leaders inside companies that want to scale their businesses on how they scale themselves. Yeah. And that's, um, that that's exactly you've you you just nailed it and one of the things that i wanted to to pick your brain about yeah. a little bit more if you don't mind is you write a lot about um you write a lot about blocking out time on your calendar yeah. which i have picked up from your newsletter mm-hmm. and a lot of the articles that you write i've picked that up and i've incorporated that into my days as well and it's helped me tremendously because now I don't just look at it as, okay, here's a block of deep work, but I actually look back on my calendar and say to myself, okay, when am I most productive to do these tasks? I'll block out the morning versus the afternoon. Like I used to, and you know, vice versa. So uh, can you just kind of, you know, share with us a little bit about, you know, that concept and how you've been able to help other leaders and CEOs and, just other people who have a lot on their plates who seem to always be juggling with their calendars and deleting things and moving things around. And like, how do you use blocking to actually improve your, your efficiency and your productivity? Yeah. 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 Super important concept. I mean, I, and the reason that it's so important um, is time is your one true, absolutely limited, non fungible resource, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't borrow from the future. I can't save from my past, right? Like time is going to march along as time marches along. Money, you know, like other resources you can save, you can acquire, you can package in different ways. Like there's all sorts of other things you can do with them, but time is your one true limited and impossible to carry forward or carry back resource. So it's, it's why I spend so much time or, or, you know, ends up becoming so critical for executives, for leaders as, as they figure out how to level up their game is essentially like, how do I choose to spend my time and how do I spend my time in such a way that's going to create the most value? Um, and I think that that's, that's one thing I, it's subtle, but I, I talk a lot about, or, or at least try to impress upon people is the difference between productivity and value. You, you can create ways of getting a lot of stuff done, but if, but if what you're getting done is not generating a huge amount of value, you're, you're not going to be as effective. Meaning I'd much rather spend an hour in a day doing something that's going to be a strategic game changer and waste the rest of the day, right? Go off and do something else, play tennis, right? right? Then grind away for 10 hours and getting a bunch of, activities done, a bunch of tasks done that just, you know, push the peanut down the road another, you know, five inches. Right. So, so it's understanding that a, I can't, I can't move time around and B what I do with my time is really about generating value, not productivity. Mm. Then, then you start to figure out, well, how do I, how do I maximize this? And that's why Yes, I, I want to understand what are the things, what are the really strategic things I need to get done during the week? How do I block out time, dedicate time, commit time to those activities in appropriate ways? But your point um, of, of when you do it becomes really important, meaning 
there are certain things that I can do that, that require me to be really creative and really sharp and clear headed and, and be able to kind of think deeply about things. I'm, I'm not good at that at 5. PM, right? Like if it's 5. PM, I've, I've had a long day, a lot of, a lot of mental fatigue, physical fatigue, haven't eaten a whole lot, or I'm coming down to you know, like needing to eat again, blood sugars low. Five o'clock is not the time to be super creative, right? Mm. My best time is morning after I've worked out, after I've had a, uh, you know, something decent to eat and I'll get about three hours of pretty high quality strategic thinking time. So, so a, I want to make sure I schedule the activities that are big picture, creative, strategic thinking in that time and, and vice versa. I don't want to be following up on emails at 9am, right? If I'm following up on e- emails at 9am, that's like a total waste of prime, you know, triple A prime time for me. So it's figuring out not only what do you need to do and how do you allocate the 40, 50 hours of productive time that, that an executive has during a week, but when that time is actually blocked, right? And and sometimes some for some people it's, yeah, I'm good in the morning, not so good in the afternoon. Some people it's like, I'm good on Monday, I suck on Friday. Some people it's like, I'm good after I do this or before I do this, right? So you really kind of need to think about what are the patterns and relationships that really drive your high productivity or, or just any type of time. I mean, you could, you know, these things, I'm, I'm good for conversation at this time. I'm good for strategic thinking here. I'm good for creativity here. I'm really good with just grinding through, you know, hard tasks at this time, like having a good sense of your kind of natural energy ebbs and flows uh, during the day, during the week is, uh, is, is one of the things we map out so we can figure out really how to optimize that. Man, I feel like I just got a PhD in that. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm definitely going to apply a lot of that into uh, into kind of 2022 and, you know, how to improve in those aspects. Um, yeah. I generally recommend people go out um, when, when I when I do this in seminars and workshops and stuff. I, I make people go out at least three months in their calendar, right? Because I say, look, for the next three months, you're, you're kind of screwed. You've probably already made enough commitments and you've got things in place that you really can't you're not going to be able to move or it's going to be really painful to move. So instead I, I talk about do your future self a favor, go out three months and, and do, you know, start doing your time blocking and make them repeating events in your calendar where it says, okay, I know I need to spend at least two hours writing. I need to spend three hours doing this. I need to have an hour once a week where I do sales calls, right? Like whatever those things are, because your schedule is probably free or three months out. You'll have space to actually plan those things then as you start moving towards that date or that week, like, yes, are the things are going to start slotting in, but at least you've got a fighting chance. Like you've got a, a, a draft, you've got a, what I call it a defensible calendar, right? You've got a defensible calendar that you can now defend that strategic plan that you put in place, right? Someone calls you and say, Hey, you know, can we do lunch on Tuesday? If Tuesday was your thinking time. It's like, Hey, can we do it Monday? Yeah, sure. We can do it Monday. Right? Like you start, you, you start getting the world, to adapt to, to your ideal week rather than being kind of a victim of the things coming at you. And now you're trying to fit things in, right. you need to invert that. Yeah. Because that's, that's what happens a lot of times. And I've, I've talked to, to many entrepreneurs and founders and especially founders, right? CEOs yeah. some oftentimes awesome. will tend to like, they'll tend to master that a little bit better, I think, but founders kind of feel like they need to be everywhere and it's, it's their baby, yeah. so to say. So like, 
they really do get the bl- the the blunt end of it where they're just like oh man i'm getting pulled in all different directions and to your point i think having a, a defensible calendar like you call it i think it really just gives you that peace of mind also where you know okay you know but this two or three hour chunk right here it's it's set in stone it's concrete there's nothing that can move it um so yeah i, I think that's great advice uh bruce for for executives and teams that might be considering bringing somebody like yourself yeah. on on board to help them scale and grow and Im- improve in those areas, what are some questions that they should maybe be asking themselves prior to bringing somebody like yourself on to make sure that they're a good fit? Um, yeah, well, so one of them is is just personal fit, right? Like I think uh, in order to get the most out of working with uh, a coach like myself, whether it's, you know, leadership coach, strategic coach. Um, the fact is you're, you're going to have to talk about some pretty uncomfortable, sensitive, awkward at times issues, right? Like a lot of it ends up being around difficult conversations, uh, you know, real blind spots people have uh, dealing with, you know, kind of conflicts and personalities and habits and behaviors and if you're not, if you don't have the right kind of rapport and don't feel like you can build kind of the level of trust and openness that you, you really are going to need to have those conversations with, with a coach, then you're probably not, you're not going to get the value you're expecting out of it, right? You have to be able to have, you got to be vulnerable, right? You got to be willing to talk about it. You got to listen, <laughs> you know, you got you to at least like be willing to consider like some of the things they're saying. And, you know, if you don't have that, if you don't have that sort of personal thing. Now, it doesn't mean you need to like them. It doesn't mean that you, this is like, oh, I want to go out drinking with this person. But it has to mean like, okay, there's enough there that I'm like, I'm I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to put on the table the things that are maybe a little sensitive that I'm struggling with and feel, you know, safe enough that it, it's worth the shot. So, so I think that's one thing. The other one, there's, there's lots of different types of coaches and you kind of need to decide what kind of coach you need, right? So I'm, I, I build myself as a strategic coach, meaning I'm really focused on helping a company figure out how they're going to win in the market. What do they need to do to, to execute on that? What are the major priorities? And then, then how do we align and uh, really deploy the team to be able to, to do that and to be able to write people and all this. So, so I, I call that strategic coaching. There's peer on leadership coaching, which is more kind of one-on-one. It's just helping you with executive leadership skills, management skills. Uh, there's accountability coaching, you know, people that will really kind of you know, uh, uh, bring down the hammer, you're right. <laughs> Did you get this thing done? Why? Like they'll, they'll provide that kind of external structure motivation. And so you mm-hmm. need to kind of assess on like, what do you really need? What are you looking for in a coach? How is that going to help you in the business? What's the return likely going to be? Um, so those are all things I kind of think about, you know, I think the things that people get caught up in, which I find are probably not, um, not as important. They, they, they might be important in, in certain ways, but not the major things. The classic one is industry experience, right? Like knowing the industry. And it's important to know, to, to have enough of the industry knowledge and experience to be able to have effective conversations and be able to kind of understand what's going on. But I generally say, I, I don't build myself as someone who is going to going to give you advice necessarily, right? Like I, I do a lot of work in cannabis. I happen to know a lot in the cannabis, but I would never build myself. It's like, I'm going to tell you how to run your business. Because the fact is, is you know your business much better than I do. I could never spend, I could, it would take far too long for me to get into all the intricacies of exactly what's going on in your business to actually give you really good advice. 
I can, I can ask questions and I can ask, I can consider, have you considered these kind of options and have you thought about this, this criteria or this perspective, this facet, this factor. Um, but at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to need to do it. Um, there's a slight difference between a coach and consultant, like a consultant's going to come in and solve the problem for you. Coach is going to help you figure out how to not only solve the problem, but figure out how to solve multiple problems in the future. So, you know, I think it's this, um, focusing more on the relationship, the, uh, dynamic that you can create to really advance your thinking and how you approach these problems and less about, okay, does this person, you know, have, you know, specific cannabis experience or industry experience kind of thing. I think that's one thing that people get tripped up on. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, there are definitely some kind of, you know, skills and frameworks and things like that, that different coaches have that may be more or less applicable to your, to your business. So I certainly would look at those, but, um, you know, I think the big one for me is just, can you, are you going to have, do you have enough rapport with this coach to be able to talk about the things you really need to talk about? That's probably the biggest one. Yeah. Um, so Bruce, for listeners who would like to connect with you, what's the best way for somebody to reach out and, um, and get in touch? Yeah. Um, so, uh, website is super simple. It's just my last name.com. So Eckfelt.com, uh, and that has kind of overview of, uh, coaching and, and some of the work I do, you know, has blogs and things like that on it. Um, contact information is on there. You could always email me just Bruce at Eckfelt.com. Uh, pretty straightforward. Um, podcasts, uh, are a fun way if you want to just listen to the content and stuff. So scaling up services.com and thinking outside the bud.com are the two that are out and then tripping outside the box, uh, will be coming out, uh, January, 2022. Um, yeah, I'm always happy to connect, uh, chat, uh, you know, if you know people that want to be on the podcast, always looking for podcast guests as well. So, uh, feel free to connect me. Awesome. Bruce, thank you again so much for taking the time out to, uh, to join us this week. Really appreciate it. And just wishing you all the best in 2022. Thanks, Mike. You too. I appreciate it. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.